Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Some huge proportion of career success can be attributable, at least indirectly, to the size and quality of our social networks. This is where you tend to hear about opportunities. This is where you get information. I gave myself a window of 18 months to two and a half years to move jobs. So I knew when I started the new job that I would probably be there between 18 months and two and a half years. I have to say, I didn't tell my boss that the, the new person I was moving into, but I went in there to go, I am here to learn effectively. That's what I'm here to do. By the way, that's that's what I tell my kids all the time. As, as a bad parent to you, I'm still an example. <laughs> you can still learn from, from me. So Colin, I uh, usually teach the introductory marketing course to my MBA students, which means I get them their first semester, which is great. They're all energetic. They're excited to be back in school. They're slightly terrified, which is a nice place to be as a teacher. Uh, got these malleable minds. But that also means that I get a fair number of students coming to me during office hours, uh, wanting to chat about career advice. And they want to know, right. what should I be doing? What should I consider? Um, sure. How should I be preparing myself? And so I thought that I, of course, give them the wisdom of the ages. Of I course. always steer them right. But I thought you might also have some advice that you could share. So I thought that we could do an episode where we talked about career advice and how to manage your career and best ways to prepare yourself to step right uh, as you move on and up throughout your your working life. I think this is basically just you're saying you're an old bloke. That's true. Yeah. You seem to have done okay. What would you do if I was somebody starting afresh? Then uh, how old are these people? Uh, gosh, my MBA students are usually mid twenties to early thirties. Right. So they've they've been out of undergraduate for a few years. They've worked and then they come back to school at that point. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is interesting, actually, isn't it? Because it's that work thing that. I think is important at the beginning because at least I remember talking to my son who when he left university thought that he had to effectively he had to make a decision that was going to last in the rest of his yeah. life yeah you know and clearly you don't and clearly I mean it was also interesting because with him he came into um, this is when I used to work in corporate life he came in and worked in the marketing team for a while and he walked away from that going I don't want to be in marketing <laughs> so in other words the good news is if you've experienced work then you're starting to realize the, the the things that you're good at and the things you're not good at and the things you want to do and the things that you don't want to do You and I have come up with some specific suggestions here, but as we were reviewing our ideas beforehand, we had both landed on on one that, you know, we our, our lists were separate, compatible, but separate. But then we both had included one that, and I think maybe it's good to, to start there. And it's exactly this point that you're making, which is 
your working life is hopefully going to span decades. And the the world that will exist even 10 years from now in the business space is going to be wildly different than it is now. There are going to be so many jobs that don't exist now that will be very important and potentially lucrative 10 years from now. Just as looking backwards, we can think of the jobs that that have gone away or that didn't exist sure. at that point. We have this this immediacy focus, and and I guess the first piece of advice I would give towards any career is take a long term focus. Like think out ahead, be flexible, realize that you're not making a permanent decision. Just as you said, instead, this is a stepstone to somewhere. Is it likely leading in a direction that you want to go? Or is it leading you in a, you know, towards a blind alley that you're you're not going to be comfortable with down the line? Yeah, no, and it's a fundamentally important one. I tell you what, mate, I am gobsmacked. It's that old English phrase. It's a good word. Back yeah. into gobsmacked. Yeah, about how many people don't do that? Yeah, I've managed so many teams over the years. And I've always sat down with my direct reports and asked them effectively, so where do you think yourself, where do you see yourself being in 10 years' time? Yeah, five years' time. And I've done that with my kids and various people. I am really surprised how many people can't answer that question. I worry that too many just leave it to fate. And I've literally had conversations with people that turn around and say, no, I, you know, I seem to have done okay at the moment. I'm just going to leave it to fate, etc. I also have to say that a number of those people that do, eventually, fate deals them a bad hand. They then have problems, basically. You're headed in a direction. Is it a direction that you're choosing, or are you just kind of letting the winds of fate buffet you one direction, one way or another? Uh, and I think you're, you're generally better off if you're aiming towards something. Um, Careers build, and if you're kind of moving from one thing to another haphazardly, you're building a, a lot of kind of like small towers instead of building towards, and it's hard to build towards something by accident. So let me give you an example of what I did. I'm not saying that this is right, but I think that, that, that when I've spoken to people about this in the past, it seems to resonate with people. When I was in corporate life, I set my sights on becoming what was at that point called a general manager. Okay, so it's like a CEO of an of an organization. Okay, I was worked in telecom, so it wasn't the CEO of AT and T or something. But each individual areas have their own. So I wanted to become a general manager. Now, for me, there's a hint in the phrase "general manager," which means that you are a general manager you really put that together on your own didn't you i did uh, you can tell how clever i am i'm gobsmacked <laughs> well done i'm teaching you some english i'm not saying i'm not going to debate the word manager and leader and all the rest of it but the point i'm trying to make is this what i then did was to turn around and say okay i'm currently in sales and had, and had been in sales for i don't know 10 years something like that I'm now going to move into training because I think people development is an important aspect to learn and training is an important aspect to learn. I'm now going to move into marketing and I moved into marketing for a, a couple of years and then I moved into customer service. Okay, So not saying to people that that's what you should do, 
but I effectively had that route planned out beforehand and said, this is what I'm going to do. I gave myself a window of 18 months to two and a half years to move jobs. So I knew when I started the new job that I would probably be there between 18 months and two and a half years. I have to say, I didn't tell my boss that the the new person I was moving into, but I went in there to go, I am here to learn effectively. That's what I'm here to do. I am here to learn. I've clearly got to, this is another piece of advice that I would give somebody. And this goes back to what my dad said to me. My dad said to me, he said, if you want to get on in business, son, he said, the thing you've got to do is just do a good job. He said, because everybody will then want you. Okay. And in this context, what I mean is, so I'm here to learn. I've also got to do a good job. Yeah. So I've got to produce the results and I've got to be seen by you as doing well. But that is only a stepping stone to the to the next level. So that's what I would mean by a plan. I would draw an important distinction between what you just described in your career and then the advice we were giving previously. Because somebody could look at your resume and go, this guy's hopping all around and then and doesn't know where he's going. But that wasn't true at all. You identified, like, here's a broad set of skills that I needed to develop and that I want to experience in. And so I'm going to systematically do that. And at the end of that, you had this kind of tower of experience that was all pointed towards general management, as opposed to somebody who, well, this is an opportunity. Why don't I do this for a while? And this is an opportunity. The likelihood that that kind of approach is going to accidentally build this tower towards some kind of general goal is much reduced. Like being systematic about this, being strategic about this, being long-term thinking about this is generally going to serve you. You can imagine me having conversations with and going along to interviews where I would then be explaining this. And this is where people would go, bloody hell, that's a really good thing that you've done. I understand what you're doing and to have a longer term plan, it's a really good thing to do. So I'm, I'm going to bring to customer service everything that your other customer service oriented candidates are going to do. But I also have an understanding of this and I also have an understanding of, and that together will make me more effective. In this world. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is important is when you're considering your career is one of the reasons why I did that was because there were effectively more jobs in that general management sphere than there would be if I just stayed in sales. So I could have been a a specialist in whatever area it was, but guess what? The number of sales people that can get to the top is not as much as the number of people that if you've got more multi-skills basically so i think that's important as well the advice that i've come up with a lot of it falls into this trade-offs bucket of advice where i'm going to give you like two forms of advice and i think that that this decision about kind of generalist versus specialist is a choice you need to make in your career. It usually makes sense to start off as a specialist. Generalists require more time and experience to get to. So I think my advice for most people is just to start off specializing in something so you can show your worth. But then as you say, there's two paths. You can continue to specialize in that and become very, very good at that narrow thing, or you can become more general. And I don't know that there's a right answer to it. As you point out, one of the advantages of generalists is that they they do have a broader range of options, typically. 
I think there are advantages to being a specialist too. So I don't, I don't know that it's like the takeaway and I don't think you were saying this at all, but I don't think the takeaway is everyone to be generous. I do think though, that there is a middle ground between those two, which is bad. You either need to be a generalist, which means you have a lot of skills or you need to be a specialist, which means you go very deep. But I think that there are some people who are like kind of somewhere in between and then therefore don't fit in either of those paths and they kind of get left behind. I think the issue for me becomes, and again, I've had this conversation, what do you want to be when you're 50? Yeah. If you took your people coming in, what, 25 to 35, you said, what are you going to be doing when you're 50, 60 years old? Are you still going to be happy doing those things? Because again, if I think back to, in my life, what I was like when I was 25 to 30 and what I'm like today, is different yeah and you've really got to have some thought to not just what's going to be useful over the next few years but what is going to set you up for that later life thing as well this ties in a little bit one of the pieces of advice that i wrote down which was you need to have a mix of what i'm calling core skills Mm -hmm. also kind of the latest tools And I think that there's a parallel there between generalists and and specialists a little bit. Uh, Sometimes business schools get knocked for not focusing on kind of whatever the latest hot button tool or topic is. And I think that some of that criticism is valid. I do think that the business schools are, as academic institutions, are, are somewhat slow to move on some stuff. But I also push back to a certain extent what I'm hoping to to educate my students on is stuff that will last them the rest of their careers, not just can you use this latest tool so that you're ready right out of the gate. I think you need a mix of both. I, th- I think that you need to know what's going on right now. But I also think that it's very easy to invest a lot of time in tools or approaches that are going to be out of vogue in just a couple of years and then those skills may or may not be transferable to something else. So I think you need the core discipline, strengths, and understandings, and then supplement that also with kind of whatever the latest things that are going on. So I totally agree. But again, I may be biased in my addition to your thought here. There's one clear thing to me, which is despite all the change that happens, the things that doesn't change is human nature. Yes. So understanding people a from a leadership perspective and therefore if you're going to go down the route of wanting to be a leader understanding people is key understanding customers and the whole premise of our podcast and everything else that we've been doing over the last 20 odd years is key and those things don't change so even with social media coming around and then now AI coming around. Yes, you need to know those things. And, and I think it's right that you should. But you have to understand it in the context of understanding people and having experience with people. I absolutely agree. Yeah. So I think that that's one of those core skills, understanding what, what people want, understanding like their perspective. I think there are marketing core skills about understanding, you know, how to segment people, how to position an offering, like those things that will never go away. And you need to know that stuff if you want to work in in marketing, for example. Sure. But then there's 
optimizing a TikTok campaign or utilizing some particular AI tool to do something. Those those will reap short-term gains. And I think that they're they're very valuable, but they need to be paired together. Like having just one or just the other is not going to be as valuable to you. And I, I worry when people neglect the core skills uh, among them, as you say, understanding people. Ryan, we've reached a new milestone, mate. What is that? I now have 70,000 people signed up for my LinkedIn newsletter called Why Customers Buy. 70,000, that's very impressive, Colin. That just so happens to be slightly more than the capacity of the first energy stadium where the Cleveland Browns play in Cleveland, Ohio. I've got to tell you, mate, that doesn't surprise me. My milestone doesn't seem as good now you mention Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, hey, Beating the Cleveland Browns is still an accomplishment. It still is. <laughs> it would be for my five-year-old, but not for most football teams. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, go onto LinkedIn and search for Why Customers Buy, or just go to my profile, Colin Shaw, and sign up for a free LinkedIn newsletter. The other area I think for me is important and again, it's sometimes hard to, to do this in the short term. And that is that sometimes you've got to take a step backwards or a step to the side in your plan. Again, give you a live example. I was in sales. I sort of started my main career off in sales. And therefore, I was earning a basic salary and commission. Okay. And then I went into training. I took a pay cut, a pretty substantial pay cut, and it was tough to do it at that time. I think I was 30-odd at the time and therefore just had a young family and everything else. But I did it knowing that it would pay me dividends or hoping that it would pay me dividends in the future and I haven't regretted it at all. And here's the difference, though, I think, mate. As long as you're in control of that move, Again, I've seen people go, oh, well, it's okay. I've just been demoted or I've just moved to this position and it's a sideways move, but it's okay because, and then they start justifying it as opposed to you're in control of it and you've done it for the right reasons. I think that's important. Well, it goes back to what we were saying before. Like, are you building a portfolio of skills and that may require lateral moves or even sometimes stepping back a little bit in some certain ways? Or are you just like, going where the current takes you. Um, and one of those is strategic and one of those is not. Um, I think you're generally going to be better off strategic. And I, I think the other part for me here is that what you need to sort of realize is that as you're going around to these different locations, that you quickly find what works and what doesn't work. So I was chatting to my son the other day. My son is currently at a company and he just left uh, um, about six months ago. I'm trying to avoid saying the company's names. He left another company where the, where the culture of the organization was awful, okay? When he was in that company, I kept saying to him, I know this is bad for your son, but you need to learn from the things that they're doing here that are making you so annoyed and so many other people are leaving you need to understand that those are the things that, you, that, that they shouldn't be doing and therefore you shouldn't do. 
By the way, that's that's what I tell my kids all the time. As, as a bad parent to you, I'm still an example. <laughs> you can still learn from, from me. Um, figure out what you want to do different. Why am I not surprised about that, mate? Yeah. No. Have I ever told you about being a podcast host? Have I ever told you, talked to you about that yet? I mean, it's a good point. You're a bad <laughs> podcast host. I still learn a lot from you, Colin. Like, thanks for putting a bow on that. Yeah. yeah. I'll set them up. You knock them down. <laughs> But so the point being, again, that you may be going into an area and you may turn around and go, I don't really don't like this. This is horrible. The good thing is you've learned that it's not very good and you don't like it. Or if you've got a bad boss, I really don't like my boss. They're a pain in the neck or, you know, they're, they're awful in the way that this team is run or whatever it may be. Yeah, that's fine. What have you learned about it? Because that you are going to come across that scenario and you've got to look at it in through the through the right lens and then make sure you use the bad experience just as much as you would use the good experience. I, I love that perspective. We're all going to suffer in life. And uh, and some of that's going to be at the hands of other people and some of that's going to be in works scenarios without detracting from how difficult it is uh, and how, how awful it can be. Is there anything you can take out of it uh, as you move forward? Have you got any more? Cultivate your social network and especially your what are known in psychology or in sociology as weak ties. You know, LinkedIn has has made it easy to keep in touch with people and kind of, you know, uh, grow that network in that way. And that that's great. And a lot of those are actually weak ties. And so that makes it very useful. But spend the time. I We joke frequently about what an introvert I am, how much I avoid social interactions. And all of that is true but I'm still pretty good one-on-one or in small groups and uh, keeping in touch with, with people and keeping those alive. And I don't do it for any kind of tactical advantage. I, I do it because I, I genuinely enjoy these people. But the research is pretty clear that some huge proportion of career success can be attributable, at least indirectly, to the size and quality of our social networks. This is where you tend to hear about opportunities. This is where you get information. This is where you've got those cheerleaders who are kind of promoting you behind the scenes. And so manage your reputation among your social network. And again, don't be predatory about this. Try to genuinely cultivate being a good person. Help other people when you can. Be generous with your time within constraints. Uplift other people. All of those things pay real dividends in your career and should not be neglected. Yes, no, I, I I totally agree. I mean, again, I wish I had a dollar for every time I, I said to somebody, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know, unfortunately, that does pay dividends. And that goes back to a couple of things I would sort of add to that. One is, goes back to what my dad said, which is do a good job and then everyone will want you. Because if you've got a reputation, which is the only thing that you carry around with you, that you've got a reputation for doing a good job and working hard and all the rest of things, then that will carry and you'll be surprised at the sort of the conversations that people will have about you. I think the the other thing for me is that if you're carrying around a, if I always think if you carry around a bad reputation, how difficult it must be to try to get a, a better job. It's often hard with a good reputation. With a good, but yeah, if, if you're carrying the baggage of, you know, when somebody asks another person, oh, hey, have you ever worked with, with Charlie? And they go, uh, yeah. I mean, how much harder is that going to be for you as opposed to, oh, yeah, no, Charlie's a, a great guy and, and he always does a, a great job and it's a pleasure to work with. 
And we talked about this a little while ago, didn't we, on um, our podcast about the recession. I think the other thing is that at times of recession, that can be it can be an opportunity. It's during those difficult times is when you need to call upon your network or have the have the ability to turn around and say, "Hey, I'm thinking of moving or whatever it may be." So even if I gain, if I go back to my time. I would be going after 18 months, I'd be going, okay, I now need to start to look around. I'm going to let people know that I'm, you know, I'm not in any hurry, but actually this is what I I want to do. And this is the sort of area that I'd like to to work in. So I do think that cultivating those ties is important. And ideally, I, I mean, I clearly love all the social media and everything else, but there's still nothing like personal ties and going to conferences and meeting up with people personally and and building those ties. Absolutely. Any others from you? Oh, yeah, big one. Understand the politics. You need to then make a decision. Are you going to play the politics or are you not? And if you're not very good at it, don't. Okay. But the higher you get up the ranks, the more the politics becomes important okay again I, I know you'll know that when I when I was in corporate life and I got up to these dizzy heights you know having three and a half thousand people working for us people used to say what do I do and I used to say I play chess because I felt like my life was just playing politics yeah it happened to be a highly political organization but no matter what size of organization, there's politics. Yeah, the academy has a reputation for being very political in those ways. I, I think that where I'm at is definitely not as toxic as, as some stories that I've heard. And, and politics may have a, a negative connotation. But there's also, you can call it just protocols. Like they're just, there are ways that things are, are done. And people who respond better when approached in a certain way than in another way. And so I have junior colleagues to me approach me from time to time saying, Hey, I want to get this thing done. Do you think I should talk to this person about it or that person? Or should I write an email or face to face? I do the same thing. I will go to senior colleagues of mine and, and seek out the same type of advice. Even if it's not like a really toxic political organization, there's still advantage to be had in knowing which way the winds blow and knowing what are like the easiest paths to take to get something forward. I love the chess metaphor. I think that's that's true in many places. No, absolutely. As I say, the place I was in was particularly political. And to a certain extent, I intellectually I quite enjoyed it, to be totally honest with you. There's something satisfying about getting something done in those situations, isn't there? Yeah. One of the things it teaches you is a couple of things that we've already talked about. One of the things that it teaches you is the importance of a network, okay? And human nature, okay? And what I mean is, so those conversations that you were just talking about having, you know, I want to do this, how do I, who should I go and talk to? How should I speak to them? Is it best I send them an email? Is it best, are they more face-to-face? Are there do's and don'ts that I should be saying and doing? And that's about, because you know that person you're going to knows them better and knows how to put an argument. 
Should I be writing a 20-page report? Should I be going in with two slides? Are they, are they big picture people? Are they, what are they trying to achieve? What are their goals? How could you help them? How can the project that you've got that you know is important to you that you want to get launched or the job that you've got, etc.? And all those things. And if you don't understand the politics and what's what's happening and who the players are and what they're trying to do, then you really do miss a trick. And unfortunately, the higher up the ranks that you go, the worse it becomes. I mean, even now as a as a consultant. There are organizations that I've worked in. I spend half my time advising our clients just on the politics, to be totally honest with you. And some organizations where you need to make sure that, yeah, we've talked to that person, we've talked to that person, that person's anti-custom experience. They don't think there's any value in it. Okay, so how do we bring them on board? What do we do? Who are the people that would influence them? And just again, thinking your whole way around it. Think of it in that the context of how do I get to my next job? Well, who are the people that you need to convince in two or three years' time? And how can you spend time over the next couple of years either meeting those people, talking to them, getting them to see that you're the natural sort of successor into whatever job it is that you're looking to move into? So, again, it just needs to be thought through. We hope that's been of of use. Anybody want any other advice, then uh, please reach out to Ryan and I just in the the usual way. You can even drop us a line at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And actually, it would be really good just to hear of any success that you've had in um, how you've moved through your your career. That, That would be nice as well. Okay. Thanks, everybody. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.